Kia ora, Itzi Fano. Hope everyone's great. Today on the podcast, we have Itzi Red Scarf. Itzi is a, um, he's got stories galore. This is the, this is the guy, you know, you, you listen in at parties with. He's that, he's that guy. He's got so many stories um, in this podcast that, um, man, we have to get him back on again. That's how good uh, these stories are. But um, I just want to give, um, before we go into the interview, I just want to give a massive shout out to um, to the Patreon. And also, if there's any, uh, I'm trying to get some sponsors, guys. If you know anyone that wants some, wants some time on the air, holler at me. Uh, anyway, um, enjoy the podcast and I hope to catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. All right, Etsy brother. How are you, my G? Good. How are you, man? Oh, Thanks oh, for having me on. Bro, I put my, oh, it's not my Raiders hat, but I know you're a Raiders fan. Yeah, man. But this is, Honestly, even though the Raiders suck right now, they're, they're kind of like, uh, they'd be equivalent to the Warriors, but hey, still my team, man. Bro. So I straight up doxed it, and it's just got my, my logo on that shit. Yeah. I got you, G. I got you. Next time I see you, I got you. Well, let, let me know so I can cop and um, rock there too. Yo, I got you. Anyway, brother, so for those that don't know who you are, my bro, mm. let, let's let's explain. Let's, let's And not be humble about it, you know? Let's be straight up the guts, brother. Who are you, my bro? Uh, who am I? Uh, so my name's Etty. Uh, I've worked in nightclubs since 99. <laughs> Uh, so I started off as like a porter, uh, picking up glasses. Then I worked in the bar. Uh, they chucked me in the kitchen. I sucked in the kitchen. Then they chucked me on the doors. Um, and then I, I made my bones on the doors. And then I started, um, I went from being a bouncer to being a club promoter and then started doing event management and then running concerts and then found myself on radio as well. So I don't know how, what to, you know, what box to put that in. Bro, because you've you've been like, you it's almost like a snowball. Like you started off and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, mm. and now, bro, like, wow, you're doing it big, bro. Like that's yeah, how, no, yeah. No, it's crazy because like um, I've, I never studied for any of that stuff, and you know when I when I started working in clubs, I was still in high school. I, I was seven form, trying to get my head around like, uh, what was it? What's the bursary? Yeah, Yeah. Trying to get my head around that, then working in nightclubs and going from like an all boys school to suddenly being in nightclubs and then find myself years later, you know, uh, growing up on hip hop and R&B, hanging out with some of the artists that I like, that I, uh, you know, grew up listening to and then running the concerts and shit. So it's just been a blessed life there. Hard. So like, were you the biggest kid at uh, Point Shiv, Primary? Nah, 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 nah. I was actually... I was really small. Uh, the biggest kid was in primary. It was Okusi. Okusi. I Ooh. can't remember his last name, but he. I felt like he was six four <laughs> in ah. primary. He was huge, but he, like I was, um, I was, I was really, really small. Even Donnie was small. Donnie from uh, Nisha Mystic. That, yeah. This is pre before he had the big afro. Yeah, he just had black normal high top fade. <laughs> bro, what was the go to sport, bro? At, uh, at- Point chef, do you were you a um, rugby dude or what? Bull rush, bull rush at lunchtime, uh, wrestling, and then um, I played soccer. Um, I played soccer for yeah, no, even worse. I played soccer and then I broke a kid's leg in the first game. <laughs> I, I was allowed to pose in the, the school photo. Um, I was on the B team, so I was like, oh shit, time to, time to break some fucking legs. 
Yeah, yeah. But then uh, after I found out there was uh, a fuckload of running, I was like, nah, you know, I'm pretty good. <laughs> Did you know, yo, can I just be the goldie then? No. <laughs> <laughs> can I just cut the oranges? Like, so good. <laughs> oh, bro, far out. Because, like, bro, sporting-wise, we've mm. kind of been around. But, like, um, Pasadena Intermediate A, you went to? Yeah, man. Bro, that's, that's the, the jam, bro. Sport. That's some fucking... That's pretty pretty hearty school. No, it was um, Pasadena was all good. Um, had some good friends there, but a lot of the a lot of my guy mates either went to Western Springs or St. Paul's, uh, and I thought that I would be following my friends, but not. <laughs> my mom hit me with a remix, and she was like, "You're going to Mount Alba Grammar," Jeez. and I was like, "Why? <laughs> I don't know anyone going there." But uh, no, Pasadena was dope. It was some good times. I, I didn't get in too much trouble. Like I, I was, I was a bit of a uh, a geek in primary and intermediate. Dad would like, uh, dad would actually make me go to the library on a Friday. I'd get three books out, and then by Sunday, write three book reports. And that was my life until I figured out that if I started playing sport, he'd let shit slide. So I had a real boring life, like the beginning parts. Eh, pretty tame. Bro, like. Yeah, but you know, you kind of made up for it later on, didn't you? <laughs> you kind of made up for it in the in the twenties. Made up brother. for it and some change. So. <laughs> oh, bro. So, like, Mags, did you finish that, Mags? Yeah, yeah, I finished that, Mags. Um, yeah. It was crazy because I went Mags when it was still an old boys' school, and then in my uh, sixth form year, they brought on third form girls, and then in my seventh form year, they brought third and fourth formers. So that's the way they built it up. But um, we had some good, we had some uh, other local celebs at uh, Max. We had um, old Sonny Bill, was, um, we're from the same neighborhood, Thomas Lulawai, Steve Matai. Um, fuck, who else? There was quite a few boys that played. They did really well in um, sports and shit. Um, Dan Hooker, he, he's, he's much younger, but he, he was a Mags boy as well. But um, Max has got yeah. a deep history of like legit. Yeah, sport, even, especially league, yeah. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even Ray Siffle went to Mags for a little oh, bit. Oh, I did not you know, know so. that. I only knew that because his, um, his photo was up in the uh, school gym. Oh. I was like, how come they got this guy? And then I was like, oh, shit, he's a fighter. Yo, Yo. Um, Yeah, because, like, that's interesting, eh? Like, did uh, dealing with those young third and fourth formers have to, you know, give you a little bit of background on dealing with those rowdy little 18-year-olds at the door, brother? Well, uh, honestly, it's... um. Massive difference because when you're when you're in high school, and so it's my sim form year, and I, I remember the first day working on a club, and like you know I had my hair cornrowed. I used to have long hair back then, and then I rocked in, and I just didn't know what to expect because my cousin was the general manager there, so that's how I got the job. And it, um, pro, pro, previous to that, I'd been working at Burger King, and he was like, he saw me really depressed outside church, and he was like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "You know, I'm working at Burger King. It sucks. I hate it." And he was like, well, you know, come work for me. I work in a nightclub. Don't be a little shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So um, I started working at the Loaded Hog, which is down on the Viaduct. Right. Yeah. So and like, I had no idea what the, like, nightclubs or anything, you know, and I'd just been at an all-boys school. So my first night, I was just, like, blown away by, like, adults drinking the club scene and, you know, just being this innocent kid. Um, you know, I never drank or anything. I never partied prior to that. You know, mum and dad kept me in a pretty strict Christian-like sort of um, um, household. So 
It was, uh, yeah, it was fucking out the gate, eh? That would have been out the gate. Well, how old were you when you were at the... Man, fuck, I got some memories of the Loaded Hog, bro. Hmm. I was 16, just turned 17. Fuck. And what were you, uh, just being a porter, right? Just picking up just being a porter, so I was allowed to pick up the glasses and stuff. Um, but it was cool because when you would pick up the glasses, they gave you, like, these big white boxes and you would walk out to the dance floor and to me, it was just like, oh, yo, fuck. Like, the DJ, I started to get to know him. and He'll play hip-hop music every now and then. And I'm like, yo. Being a school kid, you're just like, fuck. You just start dancing because it's just, uh, you just, you know, you, you, don't, you don't know what else to do. Yo. And then you're, uh, you know, um, I was still very innocent to the point where, like, the, the bar girls and everything will keep an eye on me. And everyone knew that my older cousin was... Uh, was the general manager. So I was always babied in that sense. You know, I was, I was never put in a situation where it was too out the gate, more like too out the gate. Because I think, well, what, can you remember back what the first fucking scandalous thing you thought that you thought? Holy fuck. Ah, Did you ever but, walk um, in, someone's doing lines or some shit? Someone's on the cine? Um, I, think, I think the first one was, oh man, um, one of the bouncers, are like, uh, I love him to death, and I, and I hope he's well. I haven't seen him in years, and he's a twin. And um, dude looks like, um, you know those uh, muscle T-shirts, the, the island ones, like Hawaii, Samoa, Tonga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're muscly islander guy at the back. So this bouncer looked like him, like splitting image. And he would always talk about himself in third person. It was really, it was really weird, especially because, like, you know, I'm in school and now I'm talking to a guy who's like, uh, you know, itty, da da da. Uh, um, tell everyone what uh, I'd like. I'm gonna call him uh, John for for this for this uh, thing because I don't want to air him out and then him come kick my ass. <laughs> but uh, he would always talk to him, talk about himself like, oh, itty, tell people what John did this weekend and oh, itty, look how good John is. Like he'd always talk about himself like that. So I was always like, oh, yeah, all good. Anyway, we were, we were working this night and, um, you know, John, he pulls uh, some of the most beautiful women ever. Like, because he looks like, you know, carved out of stone, massive muscle islander. And he's he's sitting on the bar, it's his night off, and he's having a few drinks. And then about like five meters to the other side, uh, there's a dwarf. She She's in the bar and she's drinking. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, just doing my thing, doing my rounds and whatnot. And then as the night went on, you know, John started moving closer to the dwarf and the dwarf started moving closer. And I was kind of like, um, maybe they know each other or, or, or some shit like that. And then um, John picks her up and, and he has her on, her, on, on his knee. And he's like bouncing her up and down and drinking. And like, he's just having the time of his life. And he's, I'm looking at him and I was like, what are you doing? And he's just like, you know, he's smiling, half his shirt off. He's like flexing his muscle. And she's like, she's like, you know, real, real, real short. Um, anyway, the next night he comes back to work and I'm, I don't know how to, I don't know how to act because I want to tell people, but I don't want to get a hiding because John is like six, five, you know, made a muscle. Anyway, he comes in front of everyone and he's like, Itty, did you see John last night? And I was like, yes, I, I saw you last night. And then he was just like, tell, tell the brothers 
what I did last night. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Oh, Molly, he hit six. Well, he had this little dwarf and he was bouncing around up and down. And then he goes into detail about having sex with this dwarf. And we're just like, it was really weird. And that was kind of like my first, first intro into the weirdness of, of nightclubs. Fucking hell. Yeah. And bro, we're fucking what? We're like 15 minutes into this interview, bro. And I, and I don't know if you can, I, I know you can beat that story, but holy shit. So you just saw <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a dwarf getting like bounced up and down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the first, the first sort of weird, um, Sorry, that was like the first sort of weird instance of like, or interaction that I saw. Like doing drugs in the, in the toilets is, is quite a, like it was common and it was also common with the bouncers back then to be into that stuff. But because I was the baby of the bunch, they were always like, you don't partake in this. You know, like, hey, you watch, watch the doll, we're going to go do lines, blah, blah, blah. And everyone will come out like, <sighs> and I understand that they're like, Oh yeah, can can someone help me out with my homework at the end? Like, <laughs> um, so the, the drug thing was 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 weirdly the more um most common and normal thing. But like, what's weird is like I don't understand why people would do drugs in the toilets. The toilets are disgusting. If you have ever sober in a toilet and you have a look in a club toilet, it's fucking gross. <laughs> like, the floors are dirty, the tops dirty, like everywhere is disgusting. And people are doing lines and all sorts of shit in there. It's just like, ooh, <laughs> like, yeah, like you're probably gonna get like shit particles up your nose with that. Ah, but... is it, that's some. That's I'm pretty sure that's how COVID started. <laughs> <laughs> Someone did some lines on some bat shit, and then all of a sudden <laughs> we're fucked up. Okay. Oh shit! But dude, bro, the girls and, and there's a point in the chat. The girls ones are way worse than the men's. Right? Yeah. Oh uh, well, you know it's it's um. Both both are equally just as bad as each other. Just when you think, like, um, just when you think the girls are bad, the guys go go out and do like something even worse. Um, probably one of the I'm just trying to think what was a bad thing like girls have done. Like in my head, it's it's not really that bad. Like seeing girls hook up with multiple guys, uh, take different guys in the toilets and that kind of stuff. That that's like a like a, a, a normal calm night it's the more shit that's way out the gate that's um oh, i just can't think of what, what, what anything girls have done um yeah it'll, it'll come it'll come in a bit it'll, yeah and then you'll go oh shit that's right one of them fucking blah, blah, blah. and then you're oh mm. bro disabled toilets bro why <laughs> Let's start <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, the disabled toilets is it seems to be like spot, right? Oh, hundred percent. Like Dorman would be like, oh man, I'll, I'll gladly tell this Dorman. His name's Sams. <laughs> He's an asshole, and he would constantly take girls into the disabled toilets, aka the office. And uh, yeah, I actually I remember one time we were working at Asta. And the cover charge was like fifty dollars um, to get in. It was, it was some white boy DJ, and I didn't like. None of us knew who who it was, but the, the the club line was like huge. They had already sold out in tickets, and people were trying to get in. And this girl came up to the door, and she came up to she came first up to my bro Ez and was like, "I said I see them. I see her whispering to him." And then I just see my mate is look at her and like disgust, and he's like, "Oh fuck off!" 
but then he goes talk to him and points at me and i'm like oh, okay me thinking that it's like something work related and then so i'm going yeah look how can i help you and she's like oh look i got me and four of my friends and i was like oh yeah you know giving her the 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 spiel like you need your tickets or you need to wait in line and then she's like oh um how about i take you to the toilets and i um and i suck you off and i get me and my mates in and i was just like dude fuck hell no but then i looked i saw my mate psalms psalms he's a piece of shit like that <laughs> <laughs> i i said to her look he's he's the boss you go talk to him and she walks up to him and so at this point me and is we know the conversation that she's had with each like with us and we know what she's gonna say to him so we're kind of looking at psalms to see like how he's gonna uh interact and, and, and deal with this as in psalms is a very big man you know he's he was very fit he was uh he's a little bit taller than me but built like a brick house you know huge and he always has like an angry face or like a mischievous face but he had like a bit of an angry face because it was just one of those nights where everyone was fucking us off and i see her go up to him and she's talking and i see him kind of like you know look like he's he's in deep thought and then she's you know she's talking and me and ears are kind of laughing and then all i see psalms go Yep, sweet. And he walks down first, and then she follows him. And then so me and Israel are like, "Oh fuck!" Laughing to each other, giggling, and then we we forget about it because the night the nights are all busy. Fifteen minutes later, um, she walks out in front of the huge line. And so because there was a huge line and the line had to stop, we just start filling in everyone with what's going on. We're like, "Yo, this is the girl that said that she'll suck us off and da da da," and she took signs to the toilet. And you know everyone's kind of like, oh, okay. So we're all just seeing what's going to happen. And then uh, she walks out first, and then Sam's walks out. And then she goes, okay, cool. So um, can I get me and my my mates in? And Sam's was like, in front of everyone, he goes, that was the most pathetic blowjob I've ever had in my entire fucking life. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh my fucking god. And then her friends are standing there, they're going off. And then we're cracking up, the line's cracking up. Psalms walks away from the door. Then he comes back. I swear to God, this is all true, swear my mom. He's holding a pen, and at the end of the pen is her panties. And he just flicks it onto the sidewalk. And then he's like, yeah, fucking grab that, you dirty bitch. And we're just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And, you know, we're like laughing, <laughs> disgusted. She storms off. Her friends storm off. And the line's like, and we're all in tears. I swear to God, this is no lie. And it, and it gets even worse. So uh, it, it, like half an hour goes by and the undies are still there. She has not picked up the underwear at all. Um, and there's this like, this guy is looking and Ezra is, looks and points at me and goes, yo man, that guy looks real sketchy because he's walking towards the line, but he's, he's eyeing up the underwear. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see him. And at first, we, we think that he's going to try and do something dodgy to us. But, you know, he's actually looking at the underwear. So he walks closer. He looks around. And then we both pretend to look the other way. He gets down to do his shoelaces. And he picks up the underwear. I swear to God, this is all true. He goes to the back of the line. And he starts sniffing the underwear. Me and <laughs> lose our fucking shit. Like, oh, fuck, fuck. And we start pointing him out. He's just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So like, okay. yeah, that yeah, that's that's one of the one one of the girls, and 
Is this the same? Is this the same one that was like at the end of the night? She was trying to find her way home. Is it the same one? Nah, nah. Uh, it's it's like, fuck. It's like yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bro, fucking hell. Uh, it's it's like it's it's crazy because you know if you're on a normal day job, like the day scandals are very very like someone stole an email or, you know, very light shit. Mm. But if you work in a nightclub, it's because so much alcohol is involved. You see the other side of people and, um, oh man, you see some, you know, you, you really get to see what some people are really like. Some people act on urges that they wouldn't do during the day. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hate. Let's, let's talk about this, bro. Cause I know yeah. that you've seen, and you don't need to say names, bro. But you've probably seen some celebrities be pretty smushed up. Yeah, man. Oh, Let's, go. Let's go. Uh, I worked at uh, Spy Bar. Uh, and I don't even give a fuck about this person. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, what's his name? Eric Watson. Oh. The, uh, the old uh, Warriors yeah. uh, owner. He turns up in a fucking limo full of... It was, it was Spy's birthday. And he has like... 15 models walk out of his, uh, the limo. None of them look like they were 18. I, I, I'm i younger than them. And I was like, these girls don't even look of age. And they're just like, nah, let them in. It's all good. And I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I ain't going to say anything in this multi-millionaire, but um, seeing celebrities wasted, uh, yeah, seeing that heaps. A lot of them are just... Um, they're not, they don't do anything too scandalous, like maybe hooking up with um, each other is probably the scandal. Um, fuck, what, what, do you remember True Bliss? Do you remember the, the big chick uh, as a Joe, Joe Cotton. Cotton? Yeah, I, I think she hooked up with um, Donnie. One nah. <laughs> it was Donnie. <laughs> no, she, she was drunk outside a, a bar and she was telling everyone she hooked up with, what was that, uh, New Zealand? Got talent, New Zealand, New Zealand, uh, the idol, New Zealand idol, and there was the island guy, and then there was the school kid, uh, right? Uh, that Michael Murphy kid. Yeah, yeah, and she was out there telling everyone like, "Oh, I hooked up with him." Rah, rah, rah. I saw that last weekend. Yeah, well, I wonder what he's up to these days, bro. So he like, this is how he is. So like, he does like, he does this quiz night. It's fucked up. Huh? So he does like a quiz, right? And then afterwards, him and his band perform. It's like a trick to get in. Like, you're like, oh, we've got a fucking quiz, guys. And if you wanna, <laughs> we're not going to the round, it's like, they'll go to like round four. We're gonna yep. have round five, but first my band's gonna perform. And then they're performing, <laughs> nobody gives a fuck to you. They're there for the quiz. I went there, my mum put me in her team, and I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, hey, that's the dude from fucking Brazilian Idol or whatever. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, cool. And then just next minute, he brings his fucking band on. He's like four dudes with him and still fucking uh, trash. But <laughs> I was like, fuck, what a desperate guy. What a desperate yeah. guy. Uh, like, yeah, the, like the local celebs have just been like, you know, they're just really hooking up with other people, hooking up with people on the toilets, but nothing like, no, nothing that's really like, oh, you know, I remember like this, see, this is out the gate to me. So I, I worked with this doorman, uh, James, big James, big white boy, first biggest white guy I've ever met in my life. He was like, I felt like he was six eight, six nine, just huge, thick as a brick, love him to death. And 
James always talked like, like, like he was kind of slow, but he was also very violent. But he was that kind of, he was that stereotype of a, of a bouncer. Anyway, he's telling us how um, he took this girl back home and he was like, oh, you know, I was really drunk and uh, I think I, I think I spewed on her, eh? And we're just like, ooh, you know, like, fuck, that's gross. And he goes, yeah, I spewed on her and I, uh, I passed out. And it was like, oh, you know, we all had a giggle. And then he was like, oh, but uh, when I woke up, um, when I woke up in the morning, there was a, a fresh piece of shit on my chest. <laughs> so um, she had got spewed on and literally waited until he passed out and then did a, like, a massive shit on his chest. And then he just came and told us the next day, like, it was all good. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I looked at him like, James, this, this is the type of shit you probably tell, like, your closer mates or, or like, maybe a therapist. But <laughs> I don't know what you're telling me. I'm going to fucking laugh at you. <laughs> Even though I think of James, I always think of a massive... Yeah. <laughs> and heaps of questions because then we were like, you know, does she wipe her ass on your chin? <laughs> Where was, how did the, the rest happen? Oh, and, shit. You know, trying to imagine being that angry at someone where you, you're so angry, you just like literally take a shit on their chest. Like, how do you, you know, propping yourself up, waiting you, to want to have a shit? She must have been a little girl. She must have been pretty cool, pretty small. She, she, well, I don't know. James, James was like any hole is a goal. Yeah, he, he was that kind of guy. So he could have been small. She could have been fucking huge. Like, bro, was it fuck, bro? It would have been funny just like, oh, I don't think funny if it was you. But you just wake up, you know, and you look and there's just the perfectly fucking like emoji shit on you, you know, like <laughs> like a soft serve ice cream from McDonald's. Like, I, like I, I was then I was asking them questions like was was it still steaming? You know, when I like was it hot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like and, and, and you know, wouldn't the smell wake you up? Like, nah, well smells don't wake you up, man. That's that's uh that's a thing. How do you know? <laughs> because that's why they have uh uh fire detectors. Ah uh, yes, yes, yes. My own. Yeah, got you. Oh, but bro, you would feel something just go plop, yo. Yeah, well, like you yeah, know, what? you scratch yourself, like. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, well, you know what happens if he had like turned all over the place? But I think he was just that wasted, oh. or just gone. You know, when you're that wasted, you just don't move. Damn, um, bro, she would just got yo know, jumped in there, popped that squat, uh, and then yeah, phew, like out, let her go, and then walk. I just hope that she wiped. You know that that's my. She probably just like. You know when those dog, you know when dogs have an itchy ass, bro, and they're itching their ass on those. <laughs> Should have just done that on the carpet, G, just like snail <laughs> trail down the rest of the <laughs> just <laughs> straight down to the bull sack, just like what the fuck? Oh yeah, my gosh! Like, yeah, yeah. So like, now that we're talking about like old doll stories, um, bro, were, before we go there, G, yeah, yeah. I just another thought, bro. She would have been like fucking like he would have spewed on her, right? And then she would have just been like in her mind, like, how the fuck am I gonna describe that? <laughs> and then bink, okay, I'm gonna wait for him to pass out, I'm gonna shit on him. And yeah, and I'm gonna fucking I'm a gap. I'm gonna get out of there. Shit. That's a you, you know, story. What, what, what would have been funny is that like this would have been before um uh MMS photos. So I like or if she did take a photo, it'd be real grainy. You remember when yeah, smartphones yeah. came out and like really only the rich had them? Yeah. Um, so she probably would have called her friends and been like, 
hey, you know that bouncer? I fucking shit it on this. But <laughs> <laughs> she would have come back the next weekend, bro. But like, hey, fuck, I got photos of you. Let me. <laughs> I got pixelated oh. shit photos all of you. Of you. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even really remember what she looks like. Oh, so okay. I'm just like scandalous, G. Yeah. I bet she was from Point Shiv, G. <laughs> that sounds like a Point Shiv thing, you know. He's, uh, you know, to be honest, it sounds like a white thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it actually <laughs> does, bro. Because if it was, if it was anybody, Bloody Pacific think. Islander would have just been a hiding. What the yeah, fuck, yeah. Buck? They would have just robbed them or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. But he just went the extra mile. Just like, went there. Bro, I'm gonna say this line, G, and I want you to finish this story. For Get up and walk to your chair, cunt. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Bro, so, that story about the wheelchair dude is wheelchair fucking legends, dude. brother. So the, so I'm, I'm working at um, Loto Hog at this time. And there's this, <laughs> the club is really packed and there's a long line. And this sounds really funny when I say it out loud. But there was this guy in a wheelchair and he's really drunk. And we could only tell that he was drunk because as he's coming up the line, he's running over people. Um, at the same time, everyone's like, fuck, man. And they turn around, they see a guy in the wheelchair, and they're just like, ah, shit. Anyway, he keeps, like, crashing into people, and then he makes his way to the front. And it's me and another bouncer. Um, uh, yeah, I won't say his name. Um, but me and my, my good my good friend, uh, the letter F, I call him F. And um, first, uh, F is like, yo, man, uh, so you, you, you've, you've actually had too much to, too much to drink. And the guy in the wheelchair who's, who's actually really wasted. And, and, you know, remember, this is still in the period where I'm like in high school transitioning into um, uh, uni. So I haven't seen like a drunk guy in a wheelchair before. And he's like slurring. And if, if you know anything about people in wheelchairs, they've got very strong arms because, you know, all they do is, is wheelchair and shit. And so they have a lot of, a lot of upper body strength. And, um, he starts whispering something and, and F is like, oh, fuck. So he, he, he leans a little bit closer down and he's like, you've had too much to drink. You can't get inside tonight. And then the guy in the wheelchair is like, like this. And so, you know, F moves a little bit closer. And as he does that, the guy in the wheelchair, let goes of the wheels and he grabs F by the, the collar and, and he's like strangling them like that. F at first is like, you know, oh shit. So he grabs them too, and they're kind of having this weird, like, struggle between each other. And, I, and I'm standing there, kind of like this guy. Like this guy is like lifted off. He's lifted off the wheelchair. His his legs are dangling, and like he's he's trying to go at F. And so F is like, yeah. They manage to separate separate each other, and um, the guy in the wheelchair kind of falls off his wheelchair. And so as I like, I'm like, oh fuck, you know, this is real weird. The line's like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Um, as I go to give the wheelchair to the um the guy, uh the disabled guy, he's looking at us and he's like, you fucking coconuts, you fucking niggas, fuck yous, go back to your own fucking country, da 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 da. And he started saying all these things, and then you know, you gotta understand at the time I'm very young. I'm still trying to understand my temper and how to curb that. And as he's going off at me and calling me like a nigga and all these things and then saying things about my family, I pick up the wheelchair and then I just threw it um, further down and, and it just kind of like smashed. And then I was just like, 
yeah, fucking walk now, cunt. And <laughs> yeah, you know, he, what was worse is that I threw it a little bit further away from the line. So he had to like, he was real angry. Like, Fuck you. <laughs> then he just kind of like crawled all the way to his wheelchair. And like, I was just standing there like, I felt, oh, I felt that actually, I don't feel that bad at all. You know, when I, when I think about it now, I, I should feel bad. But at the time, I was like, no, fuck you. Fucking walk cunt. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, bro. Like, these are the stories, bro, that I'm just like, when, because the reason why I know these stories, yeah. and I, I got a bit of a, uh, uh, I, I revised on them, but bro, you had this blog again okay, called Confessions of the of the oh, was it Confessions of the, of the Bouncer? No, Confessions, uh, Confessions of the, from, from the door. door. Yeah, man. Um, I so I would put up statuses on Facebook and shit, just about dumb shit that would happen in nightclubs in general, and people were always like, "You should write a blog." And I was like, what the fuck is a blog? Uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty illiterate when it comes comes to computer and technology. Um, but then one of the boys, like he probably misses me, uh, good mate Ricky, and he's like, no, you should write a blog. It's kind of be, it's kind of this thing where it's kind of like a journal. It doesn't have to be serious, and you can just write about things that happen, and you know, just put it out there for the boys to 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 read. So I was like, I all good. Um, and this is back when I used to smoke weed. So you know, at at the end of the at the end of the week for me was like a Sunday Monday. So I'd like, oh, yo, sit down, chill, line one up. And then I'd just like, oh, cool. Well, this happened this weekend. Da, 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 da. And what I did was I made sure that <clears throat> I never added in people's names or the name of the club. But I just described the scene and what happened. And, uh, yeah, it went, went pretty viral, eh? It was, it was uh, every time there was a new one, I was, yeah. like, in there. Like, it was fucking, because, bro, we don't hear these stories. You have to kind of be there to experience it. And everybody is, everybody probably has a good club story, but yeah. you've, you have the best of the club story, you know, because you're yeah, there the yeah. whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like, to be honest, like, and 85, 90% of the time working in clubs is pretty boring. Like, you know, it's just, it's just another night. It's just that when shit goes like sideways or like out the gate, it's like out the fucking gate. Like, um i've nearly i've nearly been run over so we wouldn't let this guy in and he went away and this is when it's the old uh it's the old uh code but i think it's called impala now which is just on uh, shortland street and the line is like on the sidewalk and then the entrance to the club you got to walk up these stairs and then you're kind of protected by the by the building and then we could see the guy that we, um, we wouldn't let in. He walks all the way up. We see him get in the car. He hoons all the way down, but then he gets onto the sidewalk, and then everyone in the line literally jumps inside, and he tries to run over everyone. Um, he did that, and then the dumbass, because right by the lights, is you know the bottom of Queen Street where the Burger King is? Yep. So he, he got stuck at those lights. It hit, it hit a red. And as soon as it got stopped there, because literally by the entrance, everyone put their drinks and bottles. Everyone picked up bottles and just started throwing it at the guy's car. So started smashing and shit. So we all looked at it like, one, you tried to kill us and you failed. And now you got like, fix up your car because it's all smashed yeah, up. Yeah, bro, he's lucky he didn't get fucking put in hospital, bro. I'm like, fuck. 
Yeah. Well, you know, like you, you, you have some like pretty crazy stories. Most of them are pretty funny. Some of them have been like, um, <clears throat> some of the fights can be pretty, pretty out of the gate. Um, you know, you can, you can, you can get hurt. Um, it's as much as there's fun in games, uh, <clears throat> there have been situations where people have been really badly hurt, you know, and it's, it's one of those, like the security game is, can be, can be detrimental to your sort of your mental health in the sense that when you, when you lose your shit at someone, it's not because of that one person. It's because it could, it's, it's a whole night of people giving you shit. Like it's a, you know, working as a bouncer, working as a host, all that stuff. People try and tell you how to do your job more than anything, you know, like, and then doing it in front of your face while they're drunk, being aggressive. And then you're getting that repeatedly. Then you're being told that you're a piece of shit. Um, especially when people can't get in clubs and they're like, oh, fuck you. I fucking hate this club anyway. And then it's like, oh, why'd you wait in the fucking line in the first place? You, you know, but um, you, you cop a lot of abuse and it, it just gets to a point where you've been pushed too far and something, you know, something will break it. And then court case. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, bro, like that's the hardest thing is like, it's your like that's your job you know your job and people just don't understand that you have a job to do and like yeah. you know if you go to a police officer and they're doing you know they pull you over and you know you get a fine that's their job they have to do that they have to keep the peace and it's the same with you but then all yeah. of a sudden you get these fucking pricks that think oh yo i'm better than this and i can fucking yeah yeah and and like like uh reflecting on my time as a doorman I can I can hundred percent I I say I wasn't the greatest doorman. I I used that platform to get to the next sort of phase of my career. Um, but there are, there have been way better security guards that I've I've worked through over the years, and, and I've been truly blessed. Um, one of the brothers just recently passed, David Mu. Um, you know, and there's this uh, stereotype that uh, bouncers are these dumb idiots, but. David Moo was the guy who opened up Jump. Jump is that trampoline park. Mm. He opened up that franchise in New Zealand. Um, I had another bouncer who got his master's and he went and um, he was invited to Dubai and he had to do this carving in front of um, the rest of the countries that were all added up and, and he New Zealand won. He was the one that beat them. So, uh, And now he owns the tattoo shop in Wellington, which segues to the the photo, the infamous photo that you were like up oh, to, guys. Yeah, like we, we got to talk about the photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as I said before, it gets really boring in the nights on the door, you know, like it, you, you just got to find shit that will um, keep you amused and <clears throat> just give you something to do. And so we started playing this game um, with, uh, with one of the other bros as well of just pulling your pants down and being in like different situations. <laughs> People will be ordering drinks and you stand behind them, pull your pants down and we'll take a photo. Remember, this is... There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really disgusted how white my legs look there. <laughs> but um, Continue, so, brother. Let's go. Yeah, so, so we were trying to find... Um, who could one-up each other on pulling their pants down in what different situations. So um, the brother Andy, Andy is the guy who 
went to Dubai and um, got he was a, some super graduate type person. Uh, he also owns the tattoo shop in Wellington, uh, and he did Stephen Adams tat. So um, you know, shout out to Andy. But um, yeah, so there's a couple making out, and I was like, well, I think I can one up your photo, and I um, I pulled my pants down and I just stood over them and and gave them the thumbs up, and they. <laughs> Uh, as you can see in the photo, the guy is just looking at me then. And as they stopped and they both looked up at me, I was just like, how's your night? <laughs> and then <laughs> pulled my pants back up and I uh, just casually walked on. You know, like, it, it's just one of those things, like you're, you're really bored out of your brain. So you just try and do things to uh, stay awake, really. You know, like a boring night on the doors is like a boring as night. Because I mean, like that's the thing. You always kind of got you got to be on, you know. You got to be ready for for some shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, what was actually funny about that club? Uh, I think it's called Havana Joe's now, but back then it was called Globe. And uh, I was in the situation where I hadn't let this guy in, and this dude is talking mad shit about me. He's like, "Fuck you, fuck that, you fat piece of shit," blah blah blah. And it, like literally for thirty minutes. They were outside the front door trying to egg me on to a fight. And, you know, the doorman, the head doorman who was my cousin at the time was like, you know, just chill, let it go, you know, don't get into trouble, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And anyway, this guy gets all the way to the corner where um, Margaritas is. Uh, I think it's called Bar 101 now. And the guy's still been talking shit. And then he hits the... Um, you know, he says the, no, you know what, fuck you and fuck your mom. As everyone knows, that when you say your mom to an islander, you're now inviting for like, cool, we're, we're taking to there. Uh, obviously, looking back at it now, I'm like, you know, you see, that's very immature, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the time, <clears throat> nah. So I walk over to him and I'm like, you know what, fuck this. You obviously want to fight. You've been nagging me on for the like last half an hour. Right, let's go. So we start scrapping. And there's this like glass door. And so I grab him by the like the shirt, the the collar, and I, and I throw him through the, the door window. And as he goes through, he reaches out. And at the time I was wearing dress pants, you know, like like a black dress pants. Yep. So as he goes through the window, he reaches out and um, he pulls on my pants. And as he pulls on my pants and goes through the window, he actually rips my pants off. And I'm standing there, like, in front of the window, and I'm just in my boxes. My pants have been ripped off because I threw the guy through the window, and he pulled them off of him. And he's lying on the ground holding my pants. And there's, a, there's like, a crowd outside watching this fight. And so I'm just like, well, fuck you. Even more angry. So, I, you know, I get on the ground, start giving, like, a couple of punches, and I put my thumb in his ear. And I remember, I always remember that because I was like, it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest. <laughs> Um, but I stuck my thumb in his ear and he's screaming and whatnot. And by the time it's done, I'm like, yeah, sweet. Fuck you. And then I had to do the walk of shame from Margaritas all the way back to the Globe in my no boxes. And, yeah, with no pants on. And then my cousin is just laughing his head off at me. And I was just like, oh. Ah. Bro, like, yeah. oh, well, let's, bro, let's get to some of these uh, questions, bro. Um, here's uh, one from Fiasco. Craziest chick you've ever thrown out? Oh, craziest chick. 
Um, we've had quite a few crazy chicks. Like, um, I, I remember throwing one girl out. We didn't throw her out. We asked her to leave. She wanted to give another girl a hiding. And the girl that we threw out was, you know, she was, uh, she looked like a model. And she was angry at some other girl that looked like a model too. And, you know, when, you, when you're seeing girls fight, you're thinking like more hair pulling and that kind of shit. But when the other girl came out, she lined her up like a dude and just went, dropped her right, and knocked out her front two teeth. And we were just like, damn! <laughs> like, you know, you're looking at the girl's teeth on the ground and the other pretty girl, and then the other girl was standing over just like, what, bitch? Da, da, da. I was just like, uh, you better leave me. <laughs> and then cops came and arrested her. Um, I've, 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 um, Oh, my good mate, Talia. Oh, she's going to hate this story. So one time um, at the end of the night, I hear, um, you know, the doorman always check the toilets. And as we're knocking, one of the boys is knocking on the door and there's a girl in the toilet and she's like, uh, and he's like, oh, fuck, you know, you have to get up. And then all the doorman hears, my mate Luther, all he hears is, uh, is Itty there? And I was, So he comes out laughing and he's like, Itty. There's some fucking girl passed out on the toilet asking for you. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I get there and I was like, oh, fuck, it's one of my good friends, Talia. And she's just ugly wasted. And um, we had to literally like lift her up like that, clean her up, put her in the car. And then we drove her home and whatnot. But um, yeah, she's probably going to hate me for that. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Here's yeah. another one, bro. Um, this is from uh, Usko Game. What's the worst celebrity you had to deal with? Oh, man. Um, international celebrity, probably Pleasure P. Uh, he was the dick. He was the he was the guy that thought he was more acted more famous than he really was. Yeah, uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah. like I, I I've been blessed to work with and, and meet guys like RZA, uh, the Jay Z's after party of the Ushers, and all these other like internationals were really really. But like ninety-five percent of them are really humble because they really love New Zealand culture. They love everything about the Maldives. We take them to the Marais and we tell them about that stuff, and they really fall in love. But Pleasure P was straight dick. <laughs> Sometimes I think about it, I'm like, "Fuck, this is jabbing." But now, um, now Pleasure P. Um, there, are, there have been some New Zealand celebs that are trying to act like they are a Hollywood celeb. And then, you know, you're just kind of staring at them like, gee, this is New Zealand, like, kick back. But, you know, I guess this is one of those things. I mean, like, there must be some, like, that have fallen off, like New Zealand ones that you're like, bro, see, you're not as big as you fucking thought you That's sad to Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, I just want to say, uh, Donnie from New Zealand, <laughs> the great florist in New Zealand. There you go. <laughs> Fucking hell. Now, um, uh, there, there, there have been some that you just kind of, you know, you kind of give them a look, but after a while, like, you know, they kind of know who you are, so they, 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 they let, you know, you just see it and you hear it, but you're like, hmm. Mm. Uh, here's another story from Fiasco. Uh, best story about Donnie, go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Donnie is into, uh, so I asked, actually asked all the boys, who's into the weirdest porn? And it's Donnie. Um, so, and then I had this conversation with him and we were talking about, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, transsexuals. So I said, he goes to me, do you watch lesbians have sex? And I'm like, yeah, th that's all good. And he goes, and if they're having strap-ons, I was like, yeah, they got strap-ons, they got strap-ons. Then he was like, well, what's the difference if you're watching like trannies? And I was like, well, one's, one's a real penis. It <laughs> 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 was detachable. But <laughs> yeah, Donnie's, Donnie's into some weird, real weird porn. I love him to death, but um, but Donnie's actually, to be honest, um, out, of, out, out of everyone, He's one of the most funniest guys that you can like meet in person, have a drink with. Uh, he's really down to earth. Um, actually, one, one time we were at Globe and this lady came up and she had like missing teeth and she was just like, you know, you could tell she was from up north in her 50s. Like it looked like she had gang tats all over her. And she saw Donnie and she was just like, oh, can I have a... Uh, I have a signature cheap. And he's just like, uh, yeah, sorry, I don't have a pen. She goes away, comes back with like a vivid pen. And then she pulls it, it sits down with that. And she's like, yeah, sign it. And Donnie's really cool that he was just like, hi, all good. Donnie. Dang. All of us were just like, ah! <laughs> but you know, like he's, he doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what situation he's in. Actually, I got uh, one more funny story about Donnie. Um, it was, I think it was PNC's album release party, and we had been drinking with Donnie first, and we got fucking drunk off our faces. So drunk, I forgot that Nijin were performing. So we get there, we get there late, and we stumble in. And like, if you've ever been to those album release parties, they're very posh because it's like a lot of management. Um, record label people, industry people, radio people, and then there's me and Donnie like wasted off our faces. Nisha Mystic's already on stage. Donnie is like stumbling his way to the front, gets on stage, and he's like, "Hey, who's he? Who's he?" And just waving. And I'm on the bar like wasted as like, oh, I. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my my stories with Donnie are pretty tame, pretty yeah. pretty. Tame. All the ones that we can say. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Or I think one time we were, we were at the the Mary J after party, like when Mary J performed down at um, Rotorua for what, what was that gig? What's the the reggae gig? They used to be well, ragamuffin. That's it. Yeah. Um, Donnie had diarrhea that night. So how <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah. Donnie's in the yeah. chat right now. Gee. He was like, "Fuck." Donnie's diarrhea all day. I was like, "Who's Donnie's in the chat?" Just Fucking plead his plead his innocence at the moment. Donnie, and, and then he writes, nah, Donnie sounds like a dick. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question from Donnie. Or not a oh. question, more of a statement. He says, No face, no case, no name, no shame. So <laughs> uh, shit. and then he said, um any international celeb stories from when you hung out with him? Um, um, I like. I guess the there's nothing crazy in the sense of like out of its shit. Um, I met ASAP Rocky uh, the night before he got a him and his security guard got a hiding from the boys um, at the at the hotel. But 
when because we threw the after party for ASAP Rocky, and um, you know, as he was leaving, you know, we had given them alcohol and we had looked after them and stuff, and then I was just chatting with him and there was just the bouncer that was with him was just that he had a real aggressive sort of um, thing about him. And, you know, in my head, I was like, fuck, if you're going to be a dick, like, remember, you're not home. You're, you're in New Zealand now. So you're going to be a dick to the wrong person. Something's going to happen. And um, yeah, sure enough, he got, um, he got chin checked at, uh, at one of the hotels by um, a brother, Mr. Sick and the boys. So, yeah, you know, like, it's one of the hood stories there. Uh, Bro, we heard this hood story. Uh, Athena that? told us this hood story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think she was, oh, in, the, she was in the elevator. She, she was in the elevator. So, what are those um, eyebrows about, G? Why did you do the eyebrows when I see you? <laughs> <laughs> you did the. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, no. Shout out uh, to Athena. She's she's fucking no, massive. Yeah, huge shout out. You know, a cool thing about Athena is um, I've seen her grow uh, in the space of. Uh, she did it like a little bit of hosting. She did some events, um, but she always had that. You always knew that she was going to go somewhere. So props to her doing all the big, big, big things that she's doing. Um, yeah. Good shit. She was awesome, man. She was a great, great guest to have on. Mm, mm. A lot of the radio people are because they know, like, you just got to keep talking. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I haven't met a radio person that's a wanker yet. Like, um... Like my, my first times I, I went to my FM, uh, I, like I've been good friends with uh, Severe for years, years. Like we would even drink in the old my FM uh, building. This is way before media work. So um, I, I guess I always had a cool sort of uh, understanding with everyone. And, the, and I think it was just blessing because we, we would run gigs through my FM, uh, even through Flavor as well. So we always, there was never... I guess no one was a dick because they knew that like would look after them if they came to the club. But I've, you know, heard stories. You know, you always hear stories, but you can't really you can't really judge someone. Um you can't you can't judge someone from what you hear, but how how they treat you is is, is really the only way you can judge someone, you know. This is a, a question from uh DJ Blaze. He says, uh, did you have to deal with racist club owners and door policy? And how did you deal oh. with that bro? <laughs> Hundred percent. So, um, a lot of these clubs that for, so for ages, like now, hip hop is at a point where it's top ten. Like when you think commercial music, you look at the top ten, it's hip hop and R and B influence, and it's been like that for years. But say, two thousand ten and under. So from two thousand, sorry, from two thousand two thousand ten, um, you had to go to a hip hop club to really listen to hip hop. And a lot of the clubs now, like uh, Roxy, for example, um, even 1885, that's closed. But they were very anti-hip-hop. And uh, club owners were very, don't let Islanders in. Or we won't play too much hip-hop because that brings in trouble. And that was a real hard thing as doorman because end of the day, you're, you're getting paid to do a job. You know, and if it wasn't you, it will be someone else. And... You know, there, there was no there was no one that we could really complain to because that's the guy that's signing your check, you know. And then I know that some people were, like, you know, we, we would turn away big groups of Islanders and they would get mad. But then at the same time, you got to understand, like, you know, a big group of Islanders, like Island guys, rowdy and drunk, there's really not that many security guards 
in the in the nightclub if you if you think about it like um what was uh the biggest club i've worked in was sanctuary and i think they had like 14 bouncers but that's like i think it's just just under a thousand people could fit in there that's that's a thousand drunk people that could suddenly turn on you and everyone's separated so if shit went down a lot of it was to make sure that security could one deal with the situation and also be able to look after themselves um but there was a lot of you know it was it was some hard times in terms of turning away people because the owners wanted a more wider crowd you know and and that's you know for for a lot of them that's you know they always saw like now that's where the money is uh, that's where there's there's barely any trouble the stereotype that um white guys would be more lippy but they wouldn't you know a white guy wasn't going to try and stand over everyone like islanders have a, a stereotype of being aggressive because we're, we're naturally aggressive people so people that didn't like that didn't understand hip-hop culture were had this um had this idea that hip-hop equaled gangsters you know is that was Where, like the stereotype right yeah 100 percent. and and like it didn't help that i guess you know a lot of the <clears throat> top 10 top 20 music at, at the time was very aggressive rap you know like rap music was was, was is generally quite aggressive but um you know they just didn't understand hip-hop culture and I was fortunate enough to be in a position where <clears throat> after years of putting up with that stuff, I realized that I can sort of create my own uh, area of what kind of hip hop I want to listen to and what kind of people I wanted to come in there. So there was a certain look, there was a certain vibe. Um, and, and that's how I became a promoter. So I, I, I would, me and um, Sams would actually sit there and we would mold the night around how we wanted it to look. And then that was how we tattered um, who would come inside. A lot of the times you'd have conversations with the brothers and be like, yo, I'm happy, happy for you guys to come in, try and bring some girls with you. Or, you know, you got to dress up a little bit more nicer, don't be so aggressive. And you try and have those conversations as, ma as many times as you can. But then, you know, on top of that, you're getting constantly abused by everyone who's trying to tell you how to do your job. So it gets to the point where you're just like, you know, I, you, you, you're not afforded to have that conversation with every single person every single time because it's a numbers game. The more people that can come inside, the more people get spent, then you're looking at things like, cool, I need X amount of people in this bar for the bar to make money, then I can make a percentage of that. But if I'm standing out here having these long-ass conversations with everyone, the club's going to be quiet, not, money's not going to be made. <clears throat> and and then I guess that's the business side of things that um, a lot of people don't understand. but you know, that's just that's just the game and how and how it goes. So and it does depend club to club, right? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you know, like some, some I worked at base bar, and base bar if if um some like you know, this is showing our age, but base bar was like the only like when all the clubs out south would close, everyone would head to base bar. And base bar would close anywhere between uh, sometimes I think the latest I stay there was two PM, like it was back back in the days, but um, you would have all sorts of different groups. You had the people from out south that wanted to come in. You had the sort of um, that commercial crowd that liked hip hop, 
but it was the only place that would play hip hop. So they go there and, you know, bass player played some dope as hip hop. Like they had legit good DJs um, and it was a good balance of like hip hop, R&B, rap music, music that you wouldn't hear at other nightclubs. Um, so, oh yeah, that, that was a, that was a dope time, real dope time. Um, what's, this is from Jandals. What's the biggest star that you've met? Um, meet Jay-Z? No, I didn't get to meet Jay-Z. He, he was staying in Waikiki Island. So I dealt with, uh, Memphis Bleak, the whole crew, Young Guru, um, Rizza. I, I had a fanboy moment with Rizza because uh, Nas as well. Um, I don't usually like fanboy over like celebrities and stuff because you know you work with them so much that it just becomes normal. But when I when I met Rizza, um, I was hosting a party at Kong, and we had invited Wu Tang. Um, some of the other reggae artists. I'm not the biggest reggae fan at all, um, but I knew that um, some of the Wu Tang guys were coming, and I was like, "Fuck, you know, how, how am I going to talk to them? This is the party that I'm hosting," and and so I wore my old dirty bastard T-shirt, and I was walking around um, the club, and I was like, I could see RZA sitting in one of the booths, and I was just like, "Fuck, how do I, how do I, um, how do I approach him?" And so I, I get a little bit closer and he just sees my t-shirt and he, he yells out, he's like, yo, ODB. And I'm like, oh shit. And then he, he got out of the booth and he started, he like started chatting with me. And it, like, I think he said like one or two words. And then I was just like, oh my God, I love every single album. And I started listing every song that he produced and, I, and that I loved and everything. And he was cool. And then, and then we took a photo and I was like, you know, it's a cool for you we have a photo and he's like yeah, yeah sweet ass and um as we got a post for the photo he goes uh goes fist and then he does his like kung fu pose and then i just put my fist up and i have like the ugliest smile in the world you know when you're just like the joy is is, is bursting out and i was like ah. yeah so rizzo was cool nas I, I had the same thing game was cool game was because i was dressed in red then um, and so when he saw me, he was like, you know, gang signs, um, slapped hands. And then the manager was like, yo, you know, this guy runs the nightclub. Uh, and he was like, cool, man. Yo, you know, so we had a drink. Uh, DJ Premier was pretty cool. Usher was, uh, I had an awkward meeting with Usher. So my my good friend who's a dancer, uh, Eddie Morales, he's like, uh, Eddie, I'm going to introduce you to Usher. We were backstage. And I was like, I had just finished eating Usher's food. Because so... When when the um, like artists will have like what they call like a, a rider list and they'll have like alcohol and food that they want and he had a personal chef make him all this food and uh, <clears throat> he I don't know whether he had eaten or not but the chef was like oh you know this is Usher's food and then the chef went out to do something and I was like <laughs> started eating <laughs> and then when I met him my mate Eddie's like uh, Itzy this is Usher and I was just like. Your food tastes really nice, eh? <laughs> and then he was just like, oh, yeah, all good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, cool show and everything. And he was like, oh, no, thanks, thanks. Uh, very short, very short. That was the other thing. Um, I was I was too nervous to meet Mariah Carey. Um, she was with her kids, though. Like, she brought her, um, her two babies on, on tour. So I felt like that was, a, like, you know, that's a, a, a mother moment. You don't want to sort of yeah. in, interrupt those. 
um, plus Lupe Fiasco, he's really intelligent, you know, like his reps are intelligent and he's that person in real life. Like he started having like philosophical talks with me about certain books I should be reading. And I was just like, oh yeah, I just like your songs, eh? <laughs> like, so Cause that was it. Uh, I remember that, bro. Cause that's the one you got me. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Pony bar. Pony, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Naughty by Nature were cool. Trich is is fucking dope. He's uh, <clears throat> like the first ever hip hop concert I ever went to. Um, was actually Naughty by Nature back in ninety six seven. Uh, Logan Campbell, my sister Elena, bought me tickets, and and I got to. I, I was up in the front. Um, and when they performed, I was like, I was in, I was in Pasadena at the time. And then, um, as they're performing one part, I was trying to fix, cause I had my CD Walkman, uh, with me and I was trying to fix my hat and everyone was like pushing me. And I was like, what the fuck is everyone pushing me? I looked up and Trich was rapping, but he had his fist out like that, you know, and he was like trying to get me to fist bump him. And I was just like, oh, shit, oh. give him a fist bump. And then. When I got to work with him a couple of years later, I brought the story up and I was like, man, you, you probably don't remember this, but um, you, you, you know, and then I reenacted the whole thing. And I was like, you're the reason why I got into uh, the events and stuff and, and got to, to this position. So that was really, that was really cool. Um, Maya, fuck, beautiful man. <laughs> Maya is she does not look like she has not aged at all funny story we're in uh kong uh the club that i was running at the time and there was a stripper pole in the private room and she was like i really feel like dancing on this pole and i was like yeah you can you can do that and so she was like oh cool so she told told me to tell the security to clear out the clear out the guys, clear out the room. And I was like, yeah, fuck it, cleared out the room. But I let my my mate, Russell, Russell Diaz, I uh, I told the bouncers that he works there. He was one of the workers. I was like, oh, no, no, he's one of the workers. He's all good. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. So Russell, I can't remember who Russell was sitting next to. And then there was me. And then there was Maya doing this, like, private dance on, on the pole. Mm. And we were, obviously, she's, she stayed clothed. But we were just like, oh. The visualizations. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So that was um my was cool. SWV were cool. Um just trying to think of um the one person that I'm jealous of is my old boss, Zen. So Zen put me onto the, the promotions and marketing game. Zen was one of the helping hands for Rapture, uh, you know, the Eminem concert. Yeah. He took a photo <clears throat> in Australia. I think it's either Melbourne or Sydney. And it's a photo of my man Zen, Eminem, and Dave Chappelle. Dave uh, Chappelle happened to be in the country and wanted to meet Eminem. So they were like, you know, of course, of course you can meet Eminem. I'm like, come through. And then they're in the changing room and they took a photo opportunity. And um, that's Zen's not really one to take photos, but he took a photo there and I was like, oh. Bro, that's what I wanted to ask too. <laughs> How do you go up like, fuck, I'm the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like, at like, be like, yo, can I take a photo? Like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like, I don't know. Like, what's the most coolest fucking way to do that? To be honest, like, um, the, m most of them, most of them realize that they got to where they are because of their fans. Mm. And because I get to spend time with them as well, um, before taking the photo, it's, um, 
you know, you, you kind of build that like rapport, but I've seen them even when it's randomly, like a fan will come up and be like, yo, is it cool if I have a photo of you? Most times they're just like, oh yeah, sweet. If they're in a rush, they'll be like, oh, it's gotta be quick, but yeah, cool. <clears throat> even when we were with, um, looking after Tiger, and you know, Tiger, this is as Tiger's come back with that song, Taste, and he's huge, you know, he's massive. And we were at a restaurant and he, at, at the time he told us that he didn't want to be disturbed with photos. I'm like, yeah, cool. And then there was this, uh, a family, uh, were like little kids and they saw Tiger and they were like, oh, can we please have a photo? And as the manager was going to say no, Tiger was like, no, 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 cool. Like, no, nah, I'll, I'll take photos with them. And I got to see a real cool moment where the, the artists, they love the appreciation you know they they do appreciate it it's just when fans are, are dickheads that they yeah they just come know. up with a photo like not even ask just come up with the not camera. even asking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like just <laughs> out <laughs> yeah. of it eh? like fuck yeah I, I just yeah like like i said i'm like sometimes eh, i'm like fuck, i don't want to come off like a because hmm. it's yeah like a like a fucking dickhead but you know it's better just to ask right no, no, they're like you know, you definitely you you won't come off of that like a dick if if you're like, excuse me, it's a cool if I have a photo. A lot a lot of the times they're like, sweet man, especially like when usually when I've asked for photos, I'm like telling them about my favorite songs or whatever or like, oh, you know, I actually listened to this record. Like when I when I met Exhibit, and I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, one of my favorite songs I first heard of you was what you see is what you get. And then he was kind of surprised that that record had made it all the way to New Zealand. Yeah. And, you know, it had been that influential. Then I was like, you know, obviously everyone heard about him with Get Your Walk On and Paparazzi and those sort of bigger records. But, you know, I, I was fanboying about this other record and I started talking about other particular songs. And then um, one of the bros was talking about multi-culture and everything. And he was just like, oh, yo. And so we posed for photos and everything. And he, it was all good. Because that was like with Lupe. That's how I like, that's because you were like, yo, bro, come through. I can sort you out. And then mm. I was like, I was in Pony Bar. And then you were like, yeah, I was like close enough. Bro, Revenge of the Nerds is the shit. Like, I don't, and he was like, yo, real? Like, that was like an EP. Like, and I was like, yo, I listen to that shit once a week. My jam. Mm. And, then, and then he was like, I don't really believe you. And then I was started, yo, this is the verse that was like the shit. We starts talking about this, yeah. and he's like, "Fuck, wow!" And then, yeah, like you said, he's really—he yeah, was an intellectual. But then he was, so, remember, because he was like fucking like four hours late. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, the artist that's notoriously late, uh, old um, DMX. Oh, real? Was he in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, when he performed in New Zealand, he was like a couple of hours late, and that was because he wanted to have a steak. You know, DMX is, and he's notorious in Hollywood for being that guy that just takes his time, like runs on DMX time. Managers are always like, fuck, we need to be here. You need to perform. The venue closes at this time, blah, blah, blah. But DMX just does what DMX does, you know. And, and that's uh, that's those sort of raw talents that are, are as real as you get. They're, they're not uh, manufactured from the, you know, they're not part of that massive marketing machine that are, trying to create artists at the moment i got a question here bro i'm gonna ask it to you and then i'm gonna i'm gonna ask if you can elaborate on this one this question is from Jandals again he says what's the biggest fight that you've ever had to try and stop biggest fight i've had to try and stop 
does it involve a samurai sword, G? Ah, uh, no, no. I'll tell you that. Well, to answer the first one, and the biggest fight that I've had to stop, there, there's been some big fights where it gets it gets out of hand, like whole street scrapping, police have come in, maced everyone. But those are the sort of fights where it's between two massive groups and you're just trying to like calm shit down. So like you're you're not really on the offense. You're just more on the like trying to stop one person then you're trying to grab another person, stop them. Um, but the samurai sword situation. Right. <laughs> so um, this is back at Asta and uh, one of the bouncers, oh no, sorry, the bar manager comes up to us and he's like, there's a guy standing over people in the toilets for them for their wallets, and so we're like, all right. So me and my uh, me and my good bro uh, is we go down. Uh, shout out to Ezra, um, and so yeah, we go down and we see the guy. We literally walk into the toilets, and there's this Islander guy standing over this white boy in the urinals, and you can tell that the Islander guy's being pretty aggressive, and so Ezra's like, yo, hey, you know, time to get the fuck out. So as like as we're walking out, the Islander guy, I think he tries to throw like a back elbow, just like one of those ones. And you know, he's obviously aiming at Ez's chin. Ez steps to the side, clocks the dude, guy drops. And so we like, oh yeah, sweet. So carry the guy out. We get outside, the guy comes too. And you know, he starts getting aggressive, you know, takes his shirt off, and he's like, fuck you, fuck this, da 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 da. <coughs> Sorry. And he's making all this like all this noise outside, outside the club. He's pacing around and he's calling all his mates. And suddenly there's there's a large group uh, outside the club. And so he's he's asking for one-on-one with his. And uh, in, in no way am I endorsing this kind of behavior. You know, these are uh, younger and crazier times. Um, but then so is like, you know, cool. Well, if you want to have one-on-one, let's go have one-on-one. So we walk around the corner uh, down to High Street and they form like this massive circle. So <clears throat> us Dorman, we kind of like spread ourselves out. There's only like five of us. And there's like a group of 20 Islanders. <clears throat> They've made a circle around is in this other dude. And so at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to talk to the guy and I'm like, bro, you know, there's no need for there to be violence and everything. And I'm telling this guy that because... I know is and is had trained in like is it trained in martial arts he had really he had naturally good hands uh, he was very strong and I knew that is was about that life and I could tell that this guy was just really trying to you know he was just trying to save face and so I'm trying to tell this guy like you know you don't need to do this you don't have to go like this way you, know, you can just let it go and he's like nah fuck you this is this is gonna happen and so then this car pulls up and this big islander gets out and it's the it's the guy's brother and he's like you know fuck you guys what the fuck is going on blah 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 starts going off and then he goes oh you know i've got something for your asses and he pops the trunk and so the, the moment that he popped the trunk my first thought is like shit he's gonna pull out a gun or something um he pulled out a police torch and he holds the police torch and he's like yeah, what do you think about that? And he puts it on the ground in front of us, and he's just kind of like stand there, stands there like you know trying to act strong. And we're all just kind of staring at it like this is the police torch. 
but he looks at one of the guys that's in the circle, and one of the guys is uh, Ezra's um, brother, um, my good good friend Alma, brother Alma, um, and he looks at Alma, and Alma had the night off, so Alma is in his casuals, but Alma, me and Alma lived um, behind High Street, so when I last saw Alma that night, he was wearing like his dicky pants and like a football top, and suddenly he's wearing dicky pants, football top, but he's got his like his work coat on, and I'm like, why you got your work coat on? Like, didn't, like it's just doesn't make sense. And then the big brother is looking at Alma, and he's like, I fucking know you. You're a fucking cop. And Alma's like, I'm not a fucking cop. And then he's like, Nah, you're a fucking cop. You're a cop. <clears throat> and then Alma's like, I'm not a cop but I got something for you. And Alma opens his jacket and he pulls out the samurai sword. And this is the samurai sword that's been in the house. So if anyone knows Alma, Alma is big into like uh, anime. Um, he used to wear the headband that was the Afro samurai. This is before Afro samurai was even like a thing. Um, and he was just into that lifestyle, but Alma was also a very violent person. So when Alma pulled out the samurai sword, Everyone that was trying to start to go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like tune changed straight away. Guys were like, no, 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 you can't do that. Alma swings his samurai sword <coughs> at, at, the, at the, not at the older brother, but at the brother that's trying to fight his brother. Everyone runs. And I'm like, holy fuck. As the crowd disperses, like, because literally everyone sprints away from the crazy islander holding the samurai sword. Um, a paddy wagon is coming down Victoria Street, which is just connected to High Street. And then we all run, like we all run down, we all run our separate ways. And then I do like a bit of a loop back. And I'm, as I'm walking up High Street, um, a couple of cops stop me and they're like, you know, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just finished work, I'm going home. And they're like, oh, you know, um, you know, what club do you work at? And I was just like, oh, I was just down there. And they're like, oh, you know, there's been some reports of a man running around with a samurai sword. And I looked at them and I was like, you know, who the fuck is running around with a samurai sword at like 5.30 a.m.? And then the cop lady was like, yeah, you know what, you're probably right. And they had a laugh and they, they left. And I was just like, holy shit. So, fuck thank bro. God. But I think, um, I think the brothers caught up with this guy. Weirdly enough, they caught up with him in Australia and they gave him a hiding. So, <laughs> oh, all, all ended up, um, yeah, it all ended up like that. But I, I always remember that night of like, I fucking can't believe you pulled out a fucking samurai sword, like <laughs> shit that you don't see in everyday life, you know? Oh, straight up. All right, bro. Uh, last question from the audience, my bro. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the out, what's the most out the gate thing that you've ever been offered to get into the to the nightclub? Oh, like, you know, um, you, I've, I've been offered cash, drugs, um, sexual favors and all that kind of stuff. But the, the sexual favors thing to me was never like a go-to because it was always like, if you're willing to give it up to just get into a club, imagine how many other people you've given it up for lesser reasons. You know, like, True. it's not like this is the only club in the whole of the city. Like, you can hear the same music at another place. It may not be as popping, but... It ain't willing to like ah. drop pennies or whatever, and it, it was always just like a ooh, like, yeah, fucking disgusting. 
like ugh. um drugs i remember the first time i got offered pee uh and i i, I was working at spy bar and i was kind of like i was dead tired and this guy comes up to me and he's like hey, you know do you want do you want to puff of this and i was like oh, what is that and he's like oh, you know it's called pee I was like, what the fuck does that do? And he goes, oh, you know, it'll keep you awake um, and you won't be hungry. And I was like, it's two things I fucking love, uh, <laughs> eating and sleeping. So, no, nah, I'm good, man. And that, that's always my first memory of, um, of peeing. I've, I've never touched that stuff. Never have, never will. Um, yeah, you, you get some weird, like cash always works, to be honest. Like if you're giving me anything from 50 to 100 up, all goods. Oh, I'll start out for that. <laughs> you can get on the club. Have you ever, um, had, uh, have you ever had, had someone fucking give her the fiver and look at you serious? Like, oh yeah, I, I I remember being given five dollars, and I was like, "This is five dollars," and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's five of us. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> but I, I think I let him in purely because I laughed. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let you in. But fucking keep your five dollars, you piece of shit. But the fact that it made me laugh was like, um, was all good, you know. Oh, bro, like, um, bro, we could we could rattle off so many stories, but like, um, bro, yeah, we'll get yeah. you back on, bro. Oh, bro, like any any time, any time, any. Actually, I'll tell you one more out the gate story though. All right, let's I just go. remember, um, I was working at base bar, and at, at base bar, um, the dormen were massive, like fucking huge. I, I'm. Like I'm a I'm a bit of a big boy, but I look like a little child compared to these bouncers. And one of the big guys, I can't remember who it was, he walks to the guy's toilets, and all I hear is like a loud scream. And the scream is the bouncer. He's like ah! screaming like a girl. And so I'll hear Dorman, my cousin, Richie. Um, he's always grumpy, grumpy bum all the time. And you know, he's like looking grumpy, like, where the fuck are you guys mucking around? Da 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 da. And so the bouncer's pointing to the the, the bathroom. And so uh, Richie goes to the bathroom and there's um, a girl giving a uh, guy head in the toilets. So he's like, ah, oh, fuck, kicks him out. And then the guy who gets kicked out, it's, um, he's the stag. And so there's a, and he's the stag of the stag. The stag dude comes out and the stag's going, ah, oh, fuck, they kicked me out for no reason, um, blah, 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 blah. And then the stag, they're getting really aggressive. They're like, nah, fuck you, so what, do you guys want to fight? So they, the, um, best man of the stag he came up to the door and he was like yo man like you got to be honest with us like what happened and so we were like yeah, yeah your, your mate was kicked out for hooking up with a uh, uh hooking up in the the toilets and he was like what fuck is that all and i was like yeah but that's who he was hooking up with we pointed to the bench to the to the girl and it's a drag queen it's like she had the five o'clock shadow and like the it was, it's that you know that tongue and moldy blonde that the um, color that people went through before, but the the big bangs, you know, fake boobs. You can tell one was like the fucking cuff thing, um, the shit that you pull out. And he's trying to fix that, and he looks over and he's just like, mm. and then the stag looks, and then the best man looks, and he goes, he was looking up with him. We're like, yeah. And then the stag just starts. Uh, the best man, he starts laughing his head off. He pulls in all the rest of the stag, and he's like, this fucking guy was hooking up with that. <laughs> and then, then it, it was the first time I had seen a guy go from, the stag guy was like, I want to kill you, to humiliated. He looked at what he was hooking up with, because he didn't realize, 
<laughs> that he was hooking up with the drag. So when he saw the drag and then he saw his whole stag laughing at him, he literally just sprinted down the road. And then it was this weird uh, scene where he went from being really tense to just like a bunch of guys laughing. And then his stag <laughs> ran after him and laughing. They're like, Sorry, hey, ah! running down the street. And he had gapped it. So, yeah. And the training just sat there just looking at us. And we were just like, that's why. Bro, before we go, like normally, you know, bro, we've had so many fucking gems. And like uh-huh. I said, bro, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get you back in. But one story I want to know, bro, okay? Mm-hmm. What happened when your scarf got put on fire in front of Brian McKnight? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it was the first time Brian McKnight was here, and this was when I tried rocking the gray scarf to try and give it like a little bit of, you know, uh, just try to be different, I guess. Uh, and we're having shots inside Code. Shout out to Severe. Yeah, Severe had got us like this nice VIP. So it's me, Brian McKnight, his manager, and Zen. And to try and set some ambience, they had put these candles down by the, the table that we were leaning over to get our shots. So as I'm leaning down to pick up the shots and I'm handing the shots out, I don't realize that my scarf catches on fire. And then I stand up and I go to go, cheers. And then everyone's like, yo, Brian, this is how cool Brian McKnight is. In the smoothest voice, he's like, yo, the scarf's on fire. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. And then instead of like being like, oh, fuck, I was like, oh, shot. Took it. <laughs> then I was like, fuck. Put it out. But he was just like, yeah, he was smooth as, he was smooth as hell. Brian McKnight and, oh, fuck, Eric Benet, another smooth-ass dude. Like, oh, oh shit. But, Benet? yeah, no, that's when my scarf uh, caught on fire. And uh, every time I've seen Brian since... Um, Always brings it up. Yeah, he brings it up. I'm like, oh, you know, hey, welcome back to New Zealand. He looks at me, he's like, scarf on fire. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that's me. Did it been red scarf or was a fire scarf that night? Fire scarf. I was like, "Ah, (laughs) fucking hell. Well, instead of freaking out, I just wanted to take the shot first. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Anyway, bro, fucking thank you so much for your time, my brother. Bro, thank you. Thank you so much for having me we on. Didn't even, we didn't even get into the kickboxing stuff. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's been a it's a blessed life. Um I've I've been able to do some cool things in life from events, clubs, kickboxing stuff. Um and just shout out to everyone that's um that helped help me get to that that position where I where I am today. So it's a lot of love and a lot of appreciation. Thank you, Marvel. And like, uh, yeah, we'll get you, uh, like, uh, we'll get you back in the next couple of weeks, bro, and get some more, get some more fucking stories out of your cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, once they start, then they're like, "Oh, that's right, this happened." Yeah, oh, that's and it, right, like this links happened. to the other one. Like, that was like uh, yeah. the one about Wellington. Then you had to, we had the picture up, and then you're like, "Yo, also, that's when yeah, uh, yeah. someone fucking pulled my pants off and I threw them through the fucking window." Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck, it's so good. But yeah, bro, I would love to get into um, some kickboxing stuff because. You, you're doing a lot of stuff with um yeah oh uh, I was um I was coaching uh, so I was coaching a kid named um, Ashia Ibadi um this is last year and he was the youngest ever to join King in the Ring um and we won we well he won it because he was fighting <laughs> but I, um I was one of his main coaches so um even going through that um we didn't have a uniform 
But I so I was rocking my NWA top, like a pair of Jordans. Everyone else is decked out properly in like proper uniform gears. We didn't even have a bucket, but uh, no, we won that. So, you know, and he, he's got an amazing career. So shout out to Ash, uh, shout out to the guys at Kings. You know, everyone doing their thing. But um, yeah, no, it's been a it's been a pretty crazy life, and I haven't. I guess I haven't even uh, touched touched a bit on that stuff. But you know, well, um, because and I, and I touched on this before you we went into the podcast bro you were the first dude that ever kind of like knew about israel Adesanya. Oh, yeah yeah i mean there were there were like you know everyone who who was uh who got to see izzy perform in his earlier years knew that they, they were watching someone special you know like um I, I, like when i first met him i was a i was a huge fan uh and we just always had a real cool vibe and you know the first time we ever did a podcast years and years ago um he, you know he, he wanted he, he uh, we asked if he could be on it and we chopped it up there um my first ever interview at flavor um you know i reached out to him and i was like you know is it cool if you could uh be a guest and and it's just been mad love always you know regardless of wherever he goes in his career um i will always be a good friend fan and um yeah, you know, he's a really dope guy. And dope to see New Zealand, uh, like, fuck, a New Zealander is the number one UFC middleweight fighter. I'm like, holy fuck. You know, and shout out to the rest of the guys at um, CKB as well. Um, I think Kai, Kai's got, uh, I think Kai's got a fight coming out. Dan Hooker, he's, he's, Dan Hooker to me is the toughest white boy in New Zealand. Like, damn, he... He's fucking up the nuts tough. Uh, Shane Shane Young, and then they've got like a whole other stable of fighters um, that that are just amazing there. So props to the teams and and all the coaches at CKB as well. Um, huge Doug, um, Mike, and the, and the rest, and just, just the whole fighting game. Like um, with the fight stuff, I was I was just a huge fan. Like I've, I've always been a fan of martial arts. That's why I was big into Wu Tang as well. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but the, um, yeah, that's right. Because Wu-Tang encompassed two things I really loved, Kung Fu and, and hip hop. And then it was just doing all sorts of cool shit. So when I got to join a kickboxing gym and like, you know, and you're doing shadow boxing, it's literally like being a kid again and like practicing moves. Like, hi-ya, hi-ya, hi-ya. <laughs> all right my brother um bro like i said bro we gotta get you back on my bro we gotta get we gotta get through some more of these these fucking t- tales from the door man uh, confessions from the door man. yeah yeah 100 percent. actually um i have a request um apart from the hat because I, I gotta get one of those hats um but i would like to see you interview one of those um conspiracy people the ones that uh okay. The, the you know the ones that are currently making a lot of noise right. about uh, a lot of shit that's going on, especially oh. with the whole coronavirus, yeah. uh, all that stuff. I'd love to see you. Okay. I get you. I got you. Bro, I um I actually when I first started, I, yeah. I got one of my bros. He's the man, and he I got him on. I said, bro, just act fucking like conspiracy theory, out. right? Just do it. And then he got on, bro, and everyone didn't know. It was a joke. <laughs> he was like, bro, fucking, but now I'm like, fuck, actually, I need to get one of those bros on. Bro, 100%. Uh, and this is, uh, I'm not calling them out, but 
Monzi, the plug from uh, 531 or New FM, if you if you see his social media stuff, he's pretty he's pretty out there with um, some some of his claims, and I just love to see him have a conversation with someone that can just you know say the things that we're all thinking. Yeah, you know, fucking. Because, uh, well, that's yeah. the thing is like, fucking somebody needs to like bring these motherfuckers down, you know. <laughs> Hey, bruv, nah, that's not how it works, cuz. Oh, 100%. And, he, and he's blocked my cousin from um, one of his pages, too. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know if I can get Iliota on here, brother, but if I can... <laughs> oh, if you get him on, oh, shit. Then you gotta get those... Uh, I, honestly, I, I love what you're doing, and I think it's really dope, and it's cool to see um, someone like yourself that's just, that's just doing, like, just doing dope shit, you know? Like, life should be about doing things that make you happy and it's cool to see you've done john campbell you've done donnie from Nisha mystic shit that's like fuck, next to jay-z fuck, fuck jay-z <laughs> fuck that we got th- we got all fucking bro his with uh you know donnie had a huge hit with swing bro nah. <laughs> fuck bro oh. i don't know <laughs> time, donnie's been called savage or day or um fuck what's the other one Shefu, he's been called every name. Actually, one other funny quick story about Donnie. We were outside Kong, and um, this guy recognized Donnie. He's like, yo, man, your music got me through some hard shit, you know, like it's, it's time inside and blah, 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 blah. And he's like telling Donnie how much he loves his music. And Donnie's like, oh, yeah, cool. That's thanks. And this other guy looks at Donnie, just being a dickhead, is like, oh, is that savage? Is that savage? Hard? Like trying to be funny. The guy who was from prison, he was like, fuck, what'd you say? <laughs> and like literally tries to give this guy a hiding. And as this, as this is all going down, I'm looking at Donnie. I'm like, shit, man, you heavy in these streets, cuz. 